been a couple days since that disappointing performance by the Jags against the Ravens. Do you guys feel any better now that you've had a little time since the game ended? I do. It's the week before Christmas, man. If you can't bring the energy, no one's going to give it to you. So, yes, I'm here to bring energy. I feel good. Jaguars-wise, I feel a little better, but there's a lot of concerns. to Jags AM here on Wednesday. I'm Kainani. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm Kainani Stevens here with Brian Sexton and John Osier. And we've had a little bit of time for the dust to settle since things went down on Sunday night football. Not what we wanted to see from that team, but we have to move forward as there is still some football left to be played and they're tied to top the division of the AFC South now. So things are very important. Let's start off with our big things. The first big thing is positives. Doug Peterson, obviously after the game, not thrilled with how his team played, but you have to move forward and he's trying to focus on the positives. I think so much sometimes we, we focus on the negative all the time. <laughs> And, and not the positive. We gotta we gotta find the good too, and and um, fill our players' heads with positive this time of year because you know we're, we're we feel like we're still a good football team and and we we play like it at times, right? Um, it's just at times we we don't look very good. It's just that simple, right, Brian? They just at times they just don't look very good. Well, you know it's funny. So we don't put the question on, but I asked him the question: How is it? that you take something that feels like it's compounding, like it, it just it gets worse week to week, and how do you break that cycle? And John, you probably recall there was a long pause before he answered the question. It was like he was trying to break that cycle in his own mind. You know, he was still frustrated, you could tell when he walked in, and he started talking about having to be positive and bring positive energy to it. My follow-up question I thought was the most telling. I said, how difficult is it to do that? And his response was, it's really difficult, especially the day after the loss. But you could sense, John, that he understood that this team still, if they could just get out of their own way on the field, but but listen to the right voice in their head and ignore the internet and Twitter and all of those things that are telling them loss, 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 failure, 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 but focus just on where they really are. Win these last three games, it doesn't matter. You're in at 11 and six, and you repeat as division champs for the first time since 1998 and 1999. That's the truth. Forget all the other stuff. Focus on that. And that was his message to them on Monday. Yeah, going into this last six games, this on paper was a possibility, meaning Cincinnati, all the teams they've lost to the last three weeks have been good or playing well and might all be in the playoffs, depending on how uh, things play out. Um, so you sort of knew if they can get to those last three, which are against teams that aren't on paper playing as well, then they can do it. But then once that reality hits you, it's like, oh, no, they've lost three games. Uh, it's all still there in front of them. Uh, the worry for me is not necessarily that they lost the last three games. It's their situation now with quarterback, with personnel offensively. Uh, does that sort of leak into the last three and sort of get into their heads? I think that's why Doug was trying to be so positive. It's his job to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, it certainly could become an issue for them this week, and, and it, it touches on what I'm going to do for hot takes, so I won't go too deep into it, other than to say that you really have to have a very strong mental approach this week, knowing that you're going to be playing without some key players. 
When we looked at the schedule earlier in the year, I don't think we would have been shocked if they lost maybe the last three games or so, but it's the way that they've been losing, which leads into our big thing number two. Some of the negatives, they've been hurting themselves. It's self-inflicted mistakes and just silly errors that they know they shouldn't be making. Um, Josh Allen, a leader certainly on this team. He talked a little bit about helping his teammates, specifically Trayvon Walker, and improvements that they need to make going forward. You know, and that's another way of holding each other accountable. Uh, you know, it was one play where I thought he didn't do it right. And, you know, for me, I seen what I saw, so I got on him. But it wasn't it wasn't the message, what I was saying. It was the it was the words that was coming out because this is something that we practiced, something that we did. But then once he explained it to me, we kind of, you know, dialogue. Then it's like, okay, well, next time you do it, then let's do it like that. And then everything, he was just, he was just free, you know? So uh, it's just little things like that. John, I feel like part of it, what makes it so frustrating is you know they can do it, and sometimes they're just making mistakes that kind of baffle us each week. Yeah, and that's really the weird thing about the last three games. All three of those teams are playing well. On paper, you can certainly see why they lost those games, uh, and you can make an argument that all three of those teams are playing better than the Jaguars right now. But at the same time, there were chances to win, and Doug's right when he says if they had just gotten out of their own way, they would have. Uh, that's really my storyline for the last three games. They should win their last three. Even with the personnel on the field, they can beat Tampa. They can do these things they're talking about. But can they stop giving the ball away? Can they stop giving free points away on defense, which they did against the Browns? Uh, the concern is, is that what they are now? I, I don't think we find that out until Sunday. No, I don't think so either. And, and there were two mistakes. Trevor played a very good game against the Bengals. And then he got hurt and they lost. And then he didn't play as well against the, uh, the Browns. Of course, he's playing on that ankle, so you've got to make sure you, you put that into the context. And then he had those two red zone errors late in the ball game, or late in the first half, that make you scratch your head and go, okay, where's the quarterback at? And I, I still, John, think that this is a kid who's going to be a really good quarterback. But the errors are on both sides of the ball and they've got to get those things fixed and it gets much more difficult when you're playing without Christian Kirk and now perhaps Zay Jones who's got a knee and a hamstring that he's having to deal with so everyone around them has to pick up the slack this week everyone let's go into our final big thing which is question marks obviously that revolves around quarterback Trevor Lawrence he's in the concussion protocol um, they that came down after the game so we don't know what the exact timeline for his return will be Brian, I know you're a big fan of kind of just going forward with maybe either C.J. Beathard and the game plan for that instead of kind of waiting out things for Trevor. But this will be an interesting week because they need to play well in Tampa. This could be, you know, now that they're tied atop the AFC South. Well, you know, so we're looking here at some of the late throws that seemed so errant. That one yes. wasn't quite so late. But some of the throws, and, and, and when he was throwing the ball, you're like, what's going on? That doesn't yeah. look like Trevor. And then we found out afterwards, John, that he was in the concussion protocol. Look, you know, he gutted it out with the knee and had a great game on Thursday Night Football in New Orleans. And then he gutted it out and, and gave his team a chance to win despite the turnovers in Cleveland. This is not one he gets to decide. This is not him no. who says, I'm, just, I'm playing no matter what. He's in the protocol. So more so than ever, you don't even need to say help is not on the way. You, know, you don't even need to declare this because it's obvious. C.J. Stroud, by the way, the Houston Texans quarterback, didn't play last week. And now the word is he's not going to play this week. So I think you just have to assume he isn't playing and C.J. Beathard's going to be the quarterback. And I think at this point of the week, it's a benefit to know that 
because everyone knows help is not on the way. Everyone knows that they've got to lift their game to another level and make plays so that they can help C.J. Beathard as they move the ball, however they do that. Yeah, and I really think the key for, for one game, this isn't the key for career season, even if Trevor was playing, the message would be don't, don't make mistakes. Don't give this away. Let's play clean and see if we can, by playing clean offensively with either, even if Trevor plays, it's a limited cast. I don't think Zay Jones is going to play. Christian's not going to play. They're having trouble running the ball. So it's going to be a challenge offensively. So I think that's going to be the theme, even if Trevor comes back. They have to play to their identity, which has been all season. Create turnovers on defense, play good on defense, and then make some big plays offensively. I don't think it matters who's. I don't think it matters who plays quarterback. I think that's the approach. This is this is going to be a defensive game. The, the defense is going to need to do this. Uh, the Bucks are. I think they're 21st uh, on offense and 26th on defense. They've gotten to seven and seven because their quarterback is playing well. You know, Baker Mayfield's coming off a perfect passer rating. I think he's the first quarterback to ever do that at Lambeau Field in another uniform other than the Packers. Uh, a four touchdown, 381 yard performance. So I mean, you can just point right now. It's right here. The question is. Who's going to get this done? And the answer is the defense. All right, stay with us. We're going to go over a little bit about the road ahead and what the Jags are going to need to do if they want to win the AFC South. Jags AM is brought to you by Field Auto Group Jacksonville. You can step up to luxury at fieldauto.com. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback coupons, all in one. It is free. You can try out Price.com today. This for that. This or that. Welcome back to Jags AM today. We're back on the couch. We're going to do a little this or that. There's a whole lot going on in the AFC South right now. Um, things have gotten a little bit more interesting than we were hoping they would be at this time in the season. It's a tie top the South with the Colts and the Texans and the Jags. And a little bit of this or that. Which one are you more concerned about at this point? I think normally we'd say the Texans. But C.J. Stroud's in the protocol, as you mentioned, so yeah. that limits them. Yeah, and, and early early news this week is that it doesn't look like he's going to come out of the protocol, right? Uh, which means that they're going to start Davis Mills, who was good enough to beat the Titans last week, but probably not good enough to beat a, a Browns team that has all sorts of momentum. Uh, back-to-back winning seasons uh, for Cleveland. It's the first time since the Marty Schottenheimer era that they have done that. So they are feeling really good about themselves and they're in the middle of this thing. And so, you know, good for the Jags, right? Um, And then behind them, you've got a a Colts team that is scrappy and refuses to go away uh, that's playing in Atlanta. So you gotta be more concerned about the Colts because remember, they're two games back unless they have a better record than you. So I I would say- That's the unless part, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, the, the scenario that could play out is Cleveland goes to Houston this week and wins. Uh, it's in Houston. It right? is. And then last game of the season, Houston with a healthy C.J. Stroud beats the Colts, giving both of those teams one loss and giving Jaguars air to breathe a little bit. In that scenario, the Jaguars win the division with two wins, meaning they could lose Sunday and still get in. Uh, nobody wants to be in that situation because that's like walking on a tightrope. So I'd, I'd say right now my big concern would still be the Texans long-term. Uh, but the Colts are that team this year that for, for 11 games, every, probably because the Jaguars beat the Colts, mm-hmm. it's been out of the Colts. Well, now it's 
Go to the Colts. Now, if you lose, the Colts control your destiny, and you, and you can't do anything about it. Yep. So, uh, I'd say both, unfortunately. Yeah, well, one more reason why the Colts are a team to be uh, aware of is they're getting healthy, right? So, Jonathan Taylor's coming back. They got Grover uh, Stewart, their big nose tackle, who really they found out when he was absent how he powers that defensive front. He's such a load in the middle that you've got to have two guys always sort of accounting for him, and it makes everyone else's job easier. So they're they're getting healthy. They're getting guys back at the right time. They certainly are. It's going to make things difficult. We will mention the Jags on the tiebreakers, but just win out, and then you don't have to worry about any of the tiebreakers, which would be key. Um, let's do a little quarterback talk because Nathan Rourke got picked up by the Patriots off waivers this week and it's coming at probably the worst possible time, right? Because obviously with Trevor in the protocol, now C.J. Beathard, who was banged up um, the last couple weeks as well with a shoulder injury for himself. So is it a big deal that they've lost their third string quarterback? Normally I'd say no, but it's kind of not a great time to be losing him. Well, it's not a great time, but I'm not sure it's that big of a deal. What do we really know about Nathan Rourke? We haven't seen him on the practice field. I mean, he's been out there, but we haven't seen him on a game field since uh, since August. And, you know, he was playing at a time, John, where athletic quarterbacks run around and make plays. I mean, there were hundreds of – you saw him everywhere, guys, making great throws because they're running around and avoiding – you know, guys who are driving milk trucks now, right? Uh, if, if there are, even are milk trucks anymore. But I just don't know that he's a proven commodity. I don't know you okay. can say, other than he has more knowledge of your I was going to say, knowledge of the system. Although E.J. Perry was here on the practice squad last year. And how much has it changed? It's the same offensive coordinator, same quarterback coach. You know, the only thing that's changed is the wide receivers coach, and that doesn't impact it. So I would say E.J. Perry ought to be able to come back in. And I think it's, it's a wash. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd rather have Rourke because the reality is if you would have rather had Perry, he would have been here. Yeah. So it's a little disingenuous to say it means nothing. There, there also is a school of thought of once you get down to that third guy, What's then what are you really talking? But as soon as I say that, a lot of teams are winning and grinding through with third guys right now. We so, saw the Browns. Yeah, us. so... Uh, yeah, you would rather probably have Rourke, but the, the big reality is if they had been super concerned about that possibility, they wouldn't have ever made him available. He would have been on the 53. So, uh, that being said, what's I don't the think difference? it matters that much. Well, yeah, right? I was going to say, what's the, what really is the difference between Rourke and Perry? That much? That much? As John said, when you get down to it, it, it better be someone else making plays you can't rely on that third quarterback to do it let's hope it doesn't get to that point yeah. um we'll know exactly a little bit later on in the week hopefully we're going to talk to doug peterson today get a little more insight about where trevor lawrence is on that timeline and what they're doing to prepare cj bethard for this week but stay with us after the break we're going to go over some of our hot takes coming up For 10 years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all of the available inventory and go Jags. We also want to honor our Florida Lottery High School Scholar Athlete of the Month, Caitlin Schultz. Caitlin has proven academic excellence, dedication to the community, and demonstrated leadership on and off the field. The Bright Futures Scholarship Program is primarily funded by the Florida Lottery. It assists students in pursuing post-secondary education and career goals. Caitlin runs cross country. She's on the cheer team as well. And she's hoping to go to the University of Florida when she graduates school. So congratulations to Caitlin on all of your accomplishments. We're back here on Jags AM this morning. 
and we've had a little time to settle from Sunday. I know the sky felt like it was falling at that point. It may still be falling, but at least we're a little calmer about it. Um, what are our hot takes this week? Brian, you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, this week, it is the how before the food. Uh, it, the NFL is always about who's your job. I mean, it's, it's, it's who's your quarterback. It's about players, not plays. Um, but this week, to me, it's about Doug Peterson and Press Taylor trying to figure out how to move the football with a collection of guys that are or haven't been impact players yet, right? I mean, Parker Washington has a couple of touchdowns, but you're looking at Elijah Cooks and Tim Jones. You know, who knows if you bring a, a Seth Williams up from the practice squad. Um, it is more about how they get guys open and how they utilize C.J. Beathard and what they ask him to do. It's it's always players, but this week I, I just have this strong sense that Doug and Press and their team are going to have to grind to create ways to get guys open and be clever and creative. Not that they're not always wanting to be that, but this week there's more of an emphasis on it. Yeah, it's 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 frankly hard to see uh, when you try to analyze it where points and where offensive efficiency is going to come from. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been really good at times when they've had all four guys that's been operating smoothly, but they're not going to have all four, uh, and, they, and they only have two, and and the running game. Has not shown us that it can be a reliable force for this team that teams even have to respect. So uh, they may, they will have to scheme. I don't know if you're going to see a trick play, if you're going to see something like that. You know, you know that feels desperate. You don't have to do that. Uh, they somehow have to get their way into two field goals and two touchdowns and a win 20 to 17 to me. Uh, and that will take. Yeah, some scheming on the part of uh, Taylor and Peterson. Uh, that's the reality this week, I think. Might be one of those we need some points from the defense game yeah. as well, or turnovers getting really good field position in the red zone, helping Short any field. way that Well, remember the other night, uh, you know, uh, if, if you take advantage of your opportunities in the first half, totally different. you get at least 12, maybe even 16, and then the Agnew touchdown gets you to 23, uh, they sort of had the formula the other night. And you should make a play. As I've talked about, you can't give when you're scoreboard hunting and when you're score playing like that, uh, you can't give those opportunities away because then all of a sudden, instead of being up, you're right. down the whole way and now you're playing uphill. I don't think they're very good at playing uphill right now because of the personnel. Just one example. You know, Luke Farrell had that 28-yard completion uh, on the second drive that put them into scoring position at the... 35-yard line, I believe, of the Ravens. And you had Zay Jones and uh, Evan Ingram and Ridley and Travis Etienne. And so it was easy for him to get lost, right? The safety, they, they didn't pay attention. He, he's normally a blocking tight end. Well, this week there's going to have to be more scheme to get him open so that he can make plays for you. It's tough when you – they're in such trouble relying on the running game that I think it affects everything else play-calling-wise. When you – don't really trust that a handoff is going to get you 3.5, yeah. then all of a sudden you become wary of what you have to call on other plays because you don't really trust that. Uh, when you watch them, that's what it sort of feels like right now. I, I, I hope Sunday they prove that statement wrong. Uh, I went with uh, they need to grow up again. And I, I, I was wrong about this team in one sense, I guess. 
after the Texans game, I said they're a mature team now that knows how to win games. Really because for seven of eight games, they had been that. Uh, they had played to a certain identity. They looked to me like a team that was sort of playoff tough, if you will. They, they could win low scoring, grinded out games by playing smart, uh, by sort of willing themselves to do that. I thought they did that a few times. Uh, and in the last three games when they sort of needed that somebody to make a big play, this is our game now moment, they really haven't had it. And again, I don't think they would have been favored in any of those three games uh, based on how the teams are playing now. But a, a mature team that's going to make it, that's sort of establishing itself, figures out a way to get one, and they haven't done that. And I think that's surprising to the people involved with it. It's not too late to be that team. You can, if you win the last three, then all of a sudden you're that team again. But they got this week especially. It just feels like they need that ability to will themselves to it, even if you don't know how they're going to do it. I thought they were that team for a while. I, I'm less certain about them right now, and I hope they show it again on Sunday to be that. I think there might be a chance because we do see them do it against teams they should beat, yeah. I will say. Um, a lot of their issues have come against, you know, there's no shame in losing to the Ravens. It's just you were right there. You, you could have put yourself in a better place with that. A lot of that was stuff you did to yourself. So well, that's a little bit of it. If, if they had lost any of these last three and, and, and it wasn't a three-game losing streak, mm -hmm. I think people would say, oh, okay, I get it. They, they're good. When you compile them together and giving some away, it has that cumulative feeling that, again, back to the top of the show, I think Doug is, is trying to sort of break that cumulative feeling by saying, hey, remember where we are. And it's hard to do with a backup quarterback yeah. and without two key receivers and two offensive linemen who are not 100% on the left side. There's a lot of stuff going around that they need to clean up, and hopefully people will be coming back at some point. Mine's a little bit more about the culture of the team and moving forward what the team needs to work on. I think the Jaguars need to learn to hate losing more than sometimes that they like winning. And I mean that in the sense of you're never going to get the entire team on board with this, but some of the great teams and the franchises that are continually successful, they dislike when they're playing bad more than maybe they're happy when they win. I think Doug Peterson's one of those people, I think when we talk to him after games, he's kind of baffled sometimes by people not being on the same page as him because he's one of those guys. I think, you know, we heard from Josh Allen. I think he's one of those guys. But there's a lot of young players on this team. There's a lot of veterans on this team, but they didn't necessarily come from winning franchises where they're expected to win, make the playoffs every single season. They're coming from somewhere where if you win, great. If you don't win, you know, whatever. And I think they have to get over that happy to be here thing a little bit because Yes, they should beat a lot of these teams. They, they can win these games. They're perfectly able. If I thought that they, the roster was bad, I'd be like, yeah, I'm happy they won some of these games too. But they can be better. It's a matter of being disappointed because they need to want that for themselves a little bit too. Well, they've got a perfect example to learn to hate losing because they've done it three times in a row. Yes. If they don't hate it, I will hate it for them. Yep. But they should learn that for sure. All right, stay with us. We'll come up and preview a little bit of what we're going on the rest of the week as we get ready to head to Tampa Bay on, the, on uh, Christmas Eve. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all the customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. We also want to take a moment to thank JEA's frontline teams for the critical services they provide to this community. Today, we'd like to recognize JEA's frontline team of the game winners and a special thanks to JEA's 
Storm outreach team for their dedication to restore our community and keep customers informed after major storms. So thanks to them. Um, it's going to be quite a week. We're getting ready for We're heading to Tampa on Christmas Eve. It's a 4 p.m. game, a little bit of a primetime game, if you will. Um, but we don't know who's going to be out there necessarily, certainly behind center. No, we don't. I'm going to chase down um, outside linebackers coach Bill Shuey, who coaches Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, because those guys are going to have to have a big day and create opportunities like we're talking about, takeaways and short fields and extra possessions. Um, Josh is obvious, right, what he's doing right now. Trayvon, too, um, you know, he, he is he's playing really good football. That was a big sack last week. And anyone who watched the game knows that the Sunday Night Football crew featured him a couple of different times. The way he chased down Lamar Jackson, um, he, he's coming. You can feel this kid is coming, and it couldn't come at a better time. So I'm anxious to find Shuey and talk about it. I think they have 19 sacks between them. That's a pace to finish with about 21 or 22. 19 and a half. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, nah, they've been a strength. When this defense has played well, which is most of the season, played well the other night, I thought, those two have played well. And everyone wants to make the Aiden Hutchinson comparison. They always will with him. Hutchinson has six and a half sacks. Trayvon has six. So be careful how quickly you throw the baby out with the bathwater. We'll keep an eye on everything this week. We'll preview the game against the Bucks coming up tomorrow on Jags AM. We will see you then.